doing a series called Greater Glory. And I know that may sound a little bit weird, a little bit sort of spiritual. What does that mean? But it really, it really gives us the understanding that God wants to do great things in and through his church. God wants to shine. God doesn't want to be known as the killjoy and as the one who really upsets everything. He wants, uh, you know, to be known just like when Jesus Christ, in fact, Tom, um, you know, said it earlier. Jesus, when he came to this earth 2,000 years ago, he made no apology. He wasn't embarrassed. He never compromised who he was. And he said, I've come to give you your best life, your abundant life. He said, life wants to kill you. Life wants to destroy you. Stuff wants to, you know, just make a mess of people's lives. I'm sure if we asked all sorts of stories in this room, I've already said this, we can have all sorts of experiences in life. But you know what? God wants us to know him personally, and he wants us to know his goodness, his grace, his power, all the good stuff that God has to give. And there's this Old Testament book called the book of Haggai. He was a prophet. And he spoke into the life of the children of Israel at a certain time where they'd gone into their land. They'd been in and out of their promised land so many times. They'd been in exile and they'd come back and they'd fought battles and you know, all, all sorts of stuff in their history. Um, and there was a time where they tried to rebuild what they call their temple and they tried to rebuild it and they came under pressure to stop and people came in to frustrate them. Has anybody ever had to deal with frustration? My Lord, frustration. Isn't it horrible? Yeah. Frustration. You're believing for this and it's not quite happening or perhaps something takes longer than you want and you know somebody promises something and it doesn't happen and, and all these things. And you can get frustrated on the inside. Well, frustration, if you don't deal with it, becomes something that grows and grows and grows and can shut your life down. The same with discouragement. It says there was frustration and there was discouragement. And it says it went on for weeks, it went on for months. And then the enemy of the people of Israel, the children of Israel, came against them. And it says by force, they stopped the rebuilding of the temple. And they stopped, even though they had God's, you know, God's plan and God's promise, even though they had um, everything they needed. They had the builders. They had, thank you, Sharon. They had um, everything they needed. They had almighty God on their side. They had all the money they needed. Wouldn't that be nice? They had, they had everything they needed to do everything that God had called them to do. And yet it stopped. And it didn't just stop for five minutes. It stopped for 18 years. Dear God, 18 years. They're supposed to be doing something and they stop and they go backwards. Their life gets into stagnation. The whole country gets into just a whole season where there's nothing much happening. And so this man Haggai comes up and God speaks to him and he speaks to the nation. And we're just going to uh, uh, just go back. We've read this every, every week this year so far, but we're just going to read a little bit from Haggai chapter 2 verse 1 going on. It says, in the seventh month, the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, speak now to Zerubbabel. He was like the boss. He was the leader of the nation, the governor of Judah. Speak to Joshua, who was the high priest, and speak to all the people saying, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? Who can remember what it's supposed to be like? Because they had a temple and it was destroyed. Who can remember what it's supposed to be like? How do you see it now? In comparison with what it was, is this not in your eyes as nothing? This is not what it's supposed to be. 
And I don't know about you, but perhaps you're standing or you're sitting here today saying, my life is not what it was meant to be. I had dreams. I dreamt of this awesome, awesome husband and he turned out to be a rat. <laughs> Hello? And all the women said, don't you dare. All the blokes are thinking, I dreamt of marrying this girl. And she was, oh, when she walked in the room, everything stirred. <laughs> oh, and today she's not interested. And we just live in the same house and there's no, there's no relationship. Perhaps you think I had a dream of all these wonderful children we'd have. And we had some, and it's been a nightmare. <laughs> and all the parents said, don't you dare. <laughs> Perhaps you had a dream about starting your own business. And you got going, and just like they did, they laid the foundation, and they built the altar, and they did all this stuff. But then the pressures came. It must be one of the toughest things to do is to start a business. I, I can't, you know, think of the percentages, but it's like 90% of businesses fail in the first year or two. 80% in the first five years. Thank you, Tom. 80% fail in the first five years, and yet we're in a generation of entrepreneurs. Where if you can see it, you can have it. If you can dream it, go do it. And yet people have all these dreams, and, you know, they hit up against the brick wall. And they, and they stood still for 18 years and then, then up comes this prophet saying, it's, it doesn't look like what it's supposed to be like. And if you are honest today, there are areas in your life and areas in my life where you say, this does not look like what I thought it was going to look like. Stuff always takes longer. Stuff always takes longer. And sometimes you need to face reality through the eyes of faith, and say, this is not where it's supposed to be. Something's got to change. Something's got to move on. Otherwise, in another 18 years, we're still going to be in the same position. Something's got to change. Something's got to give. Enough is enough. Time to move on. I'm going to stir up, rise up. I'm going to get up. I'm going to move on. And so he carries on. He says, so now be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all you people. This is what I spoke on the week before last. Be strong. We talked about being stirred up, living for a cause and a passion, living for something more than just a paycheck, living for something more than just EastEnders on TV. Dear God, if you fill your life with that, your life, no wonder there's going to be stuff happening. Who's left among you? Be strong, be strong, be strong. According to what I promised you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it's a little while, I'm going to shake everything. I'm going to shake the heaven and the earth, the sea, the dry land. I'm going to shake all the nations and they will come as a result to the desire of all nations who we know to be Jesus Christ. And I will fill this temple 
with my glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former. And in this place, I will give, I will give peace says the Lord of hosts. I love the fact that through this whole book of Haggai, there's a progression from God's initial intervention into a people that had shut down in order to bring them back into his best for their lives. He had to address them about their timing mentality. They were saying, not now, not now. And you know what? Every time you want to move, there will be a thousand things that want to say, not now, tomorrow. Can I say the grass is never greener? The time is never any better. Move today. Do something today. Don't wait another 18 years. He said, sort out your priorities. He said, come on, go up the mountain. Stop living in the valley. Stop living on a plateau. Go up the mountain and get something strong in order to build what I've got for you to build for your life. He said, get stirred up. He said, come on, do some work. How many of you know the Bible says Ecclesiastes 5.3, the dream comes through much activity. Dreams don't just fall out of heaven. They may come from heaven, but they come to pass through much activity, much work. He said, get a great new perspective on what is possible. Have a, a check of what's real in your life, a reality check. Stuff is going to shake, but you're stronger than the shaking. Look at someone say, come on, I'm stronger than what I'm going through. Now, come on, that's about 20 of you. If you're coming to Citygate this morning, we're going to talk. Look at someone and say, I'm stronger than what I'm going through. I'm bigger. I'm faster. I'm stronger. And I've got the promise of God that I'm coming out of this the winner. Okay. Okay. Get a reality check. And then I love how this ends in this passage. And I'm going to the very last verse for today. And then we're going to go back a little bit for next week and the week after. But I'm going to the very last verse. It ends up by declaring this. And in this place... In this place of defeat, in this place of frustration, in this place of discouragement, in this place when everybody had said, can anything good ever happen out of this? In this place of nobody, nobody having any energy to move on, in this place of the, even the nations had, had, had just completely ignored now Israel at that time. In this place, I'm going to give shalom. I'm going to give peace. I'm going to give something into this place that people have written off. Now, I need to explain just a little bit. That word peace can, can be such a, I don't know about you, but the word, the word peace can be a little bit lackluster. Peace. It's like peace. Oh, yeah. That doesn't do it for a bloke. Hello? Oh, isn't everything wonderful? Just that. That's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about being, being weak and ineffective and unproductive and just relaxed about life. That's not what the word peace means. I used what it actually the word is he, he said. He said the word shalom. 
Now, shalom is a Hebrew word. I'm going to read you what shalom means. Are you ready for this? Because we have it translated in our, in our English version as this word, peace. But it actually, that's a very tiny understanding of this word. It means this. It means to have a good journey. It means financial prosperity. It means health. It means safety from your enemies. It means security on the rock of God. It means wisdom and understanding that you know what to do in order to come out in God's best. It means goodness. It means rest. It means peace. And it means more than all of those things. In fact, the best word to describe it is this, wholeness wholeness, wholeness. Luke chapter 4 verse 18 says this. This is when the Lord Jesus had just been baptized and, he'd, and this is his first time speaking, coming out saying who he was. And he said, he said, he said God has sent me to announce uh, freedom to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind. He went around healing blind people opening prison doors for people, still doing it today. He said, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed in life, those who are downtrodden. Listen to this, what he said. Those who are bruised, those who are crushed, and those who are broken down by calamity. One translation said, to heal the broken hearted. There are so many broken people in our world today. There are so many people and they're, in their finances, they're broken. In their marriages, they're broken. In their job, they're broken. In their emotions, they're broken. Ah, oh, no, we're all all right. Who do you think you're talking to? Stress is the greatest issue we have in London today. There are more people going to psychiatrists and taking Valium and whatever else today and I thank God for what doctors can do. And I thank God for what psychiatrists can do. But we have an epidemic of broken people. We have an epidemic of broken marriages. We have an epidemic of broken children. As a church, we do a lot with kids. We had a whole program going on in, in uh, three schools in the borough where we were going in and we were personally um, uh, helping, coaching, uh, you know, some of the toughest kids. We have a generation of, of kids who are broken. You know, self-worth has gone out the window. It's more about comparing who I am with everybody else than it is about having a confidence on the inside. The great cry in our generation for equality, and I absolutely believe in the equality of men and women. I believe we were talking about this last night. In, in equality, for, for heaven's sake, in, in every area of life. But, but even having a law passed about equality will never deal with insecurity in the heart of a person. Hello? Just because a law is passed that says you're equal doesn't mean to say you feel equal. Doesn't mean to say the image you have on the inside of you is one of self-confidence. Am I preaching something all right here today? Yeah? There's a lot of broken people. Jesus came to heal broken people. 
Those who are broken emotionally, those who are broken physically, those who are broken socially and relationally, those who, are, those who have been broken um, you know, financially and those who are broken spiritually. One explanation of the word wholeness, shalom, the word we have in our Bible as peace is this, nothing missing, nothing broken. Let that sink in. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Four things very quickly about this word peace. Number one, if we're going to get hold of peace today and what it is in God's promise for our lives, number one, it's a place. It's a place. Peace is a place. The Bible says this, Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What do you mean, Pastor Jay? Peace is a place. What? It's like going to Bromley or going to Lewisham or going to London. Is it that you go there? Well, actually, yes. But it's not a physical place. It's a place called the kingdom of God. Now, there's a whole load the Bible says about the kingdom of God. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he came, he kept saying, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. He said, the kingdom is within your grasp. He said to so many people, reach out and get it. The kingdom is just, it's just there. The problem is a lot of people have got their hands there. But the kingdom's there. It's something you reach out and get hold of. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is a powerful kingdom. It's a kingdom where the blind can see. It's a kingdom where the lame can walk. It's a kingdom where cancer can be healed. It's a kingdom where the dead can be raised. It's a kingdom where sins are forgiven. It's a kingdom where forgiveness can flood through your life. It's a kingdom where shame can be a thing of the past. It's a kingdom where there's a new start in life. It's a kingdom. It's a place. And if it's a kingdom, it's got a king. we know the king to be Jesus Christ. The king of the kingdom is Jesus Christ. He said, but if you're going to experience what the king is putting out, you need to get into his kingdom. It's a place. It's not a physical place, but it's a place where the king reigns. And then he said something very interesting. He said, the kingdom's been around you. He said, but a time is coming when I've died on the cross and I've been raised from the dead. The kingdom isn't going to be around you anymore. It's going to be on the inside of you. On the inside of you. See, the kingdom is a place. You see, in the book of Haggai, he said this, in this temple, in this place, I'm going to give peace. In this place, not over there, it's here. See, some people are going to the wrong place to try to get peace. Is that all right? They're getting stoned to get peace. I spent all my teenage years, I was a spaceman. Dear God, LSD, cocaine, uh, amphetamines, uh, smoking dope, hallucinating, the whole thing. You may say you're still on something today. Well, yeah, you perhaps, perhaps you might. Perhaps you might. <laughs> It's all right. We're in church. Are you okay? Yeah? Uh, you can breathe now. Do you want a brown paper bag? She's up. Ha- <laughs> 
See, people go to the wrong place. They go to a relationship to get peace. Hello? My man will give me peace. No, your man is going to cause you a whole lot of heartache if you go to him for peace. Good preaching. Thank you very much. You know what? This woman is going to give me peace. She's going to give me a headache. <laughs> You're going to give me a headache. And all the men said, Amen. There we go. This new job is going to give me peace. Come on, guys, you are kidding yourself if you think you're going to get peace from anywhere else than the kingdom of God. Nothing else gives peace. Nothing. Zero. Nothing gives wholeness into a person's life. Financial security doesn't give you peace. The more you got, and we believe in wealth. Dear God, get as many, as much as you can. Be generous with it. Meet other people's needs with it. Have a million in the bank. Brilliant. Go for it. But it won't give you peace. It won't give you peace. It'll cause you more upset and heartache because you worry about what to do with it. It's, it's true, guys. Speaking as a multi-millionaire myself. <laughs> not. It's coming. Thank you. It's coming in Jesus' name. Amen. You don't know what you've just said. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> anyway. Have your holiday homes. Have, have all your properties. You know, pensions ain't overly... Anyway, let's not go there. But get apartments and rent them out. Have a load of passive income. Dear God, we should all be going for three, four, five streams of passive income. Go for it. Be a success in life. But I guarantee you this, to him who, who is given much, much is required. There is a whole load of pressure that comes on the responsibility of abundance. Mm -mm. Where is God going to give peace? Where the kingdom is. Where the kingdom is. Number two, peace is... Let's all say it. Peace is. Media guys, peace is. Put it up. I can see it. Just press the button. Powerful. See, I know what's coming. Peace is powerful. Sometimes we think that peace is weak. It's that sort of weak thing. Peace is powerful. Let me give you an example of, of this peace because it means wholeness. There was a lady who came to Jesus she said, and she'd been sick for 12 years, pouring blood. 12 years. She spent everything she had. She still hemorrhaged. It says she spent everything she had and she'd only grown worse. And she said, if I can only get hold of Jesus. She wasn't even allowed out in public in those days. She was unclean, you know. She could have been killed. She could have been stoned to death for doing what she just said she was going to. What price are you going to pay to get hold of some freedom in your life? Wow. Nothing comes casually in life. She said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up and I'm going to be really quiet about this. When he's in the crowd, I'm going to come up and I'm going to grab the hem of his garment. And so she came through the crowd, trying to keep 
you know, quiet and out of the way. And she said, if I can only just touch him, this is going to be healed. Still happens today. Man alive, some of the healings I've seen and the miracles I've been a part of. But So she comes up and she just grabs the hem of his garment. Instantly, the Bible says, the blood stopped. Instantly. And she turned around and she was going. She was out of there. Yeah? Like some of these Christians on a Sunday. They sort of come in at five past ten. I don't get the late thing. Do you get the late thing? Debbie, you don't get the late thing, do you? No, absolutely not. You, all, all the staff you have in your job, if they were late every, every day, what would you do with them? Talk to them. Sort them out. Anyway, turn it up. Let's wander in. And then, and then at the end, no, we're out of this. Don't want to talk to anybody. Anyway, that wasn't quite her deal. She could have been stoned to death. So that's a bit of a different deal. So she comes up, grabs it, and she gets instantly healed, and she goes. And the King Jesus stops, and he says, someone's touched me by faith. And the people around said, everyone's touching you. This is like a mosh pit at a muse gig. This is like, everyone's just moshing around him, and someone's touched me. He said, everyone's touched you. No, someone's touched me by faith. And so he turned around and said, who touched me? And everyone's looking around going, well, we all have. And, she, and so he says, no, someone's touched me. I know someone has, and she knows she's found out. Ever been in the position where you know God's found you out? Yeah, I've been there many times. Okay, God, I'm coming back. So she comes back, and he says, your faith healed you, but I've got something more for you. This often you just don't hear people talk about. He said, now your faith has healed your body, but I'm not leaving a job half done. You've spent all your money. You, got, you haven't got any, any cash left. You've been 12 years as an outcast. Your mindset is going to be totally screwed up. You're an outcast of society. You haven't got any friends. He said, I'm going to turn it all around with one word. He said, right now, I give you shalom. And he said, go in shalom and be made whole of every issue in your life. And in that one moment, everything in her life turned around. She came to God with faith for the blood to stop and she went away with wholeness. Wholeness in her mind, wholeness in her body, wholeness in her finances, every need met in her life. See, peace is powerful. One little verse, and can I have the band up, please? Romans 16, 20 says this, The God of shalom will crush the devil under your feet. That doesn't sound like peace and quiet to me. That sounds like a wholeness. That sounds like something that is, is a powerful presence of God in our lives. There are things today that perhaps need to be crushed under our feet. Number three, we've had... It's a place, it's powerful. Now what is it? Peace is a promise. Great verse, one of my favourite passages in the Bible, Isaiah 54. God says to, again, the children of Israel at that time, he says, this is a promise that I've shed blood about. Now, a blood covenant's a pretty powerful thing. We don't do them today, but they did them back then whether it's an animal or, you know, Abraham said, I've lifted my hand. That was an expression. He didn't shed blood, but that's an expression like, you know, we're in a blood covenant here, that you are my provider. I mean, this is, this is powerful stuff. 
And he says, this is a blood covenant that I promised to you, children of Israel. It's this. I will never remove my covenant of wholeness with you. And I don't know who you are today. And perhaps you don't know you've got promises from God. Perhaps you don't know that God has promised you wonderful things. It's like people who've lived their life not knowing they have an inheritance unclaimed in a bank somewhere. You've got a promise from God. And you know what that promise is? Wholeness. Wholeness. It's a promise from God. Signed in the blood of Jesus Christ when he died on the cross 2,000 years ago. It's a promise. And lastly, as we close, peace. And this is really the center of everything I'm saying today. Peace is a person. You see, when the Lord Jesus gives us peace, he's not just given us something, he's giving us himself. Because he is peace. He is wholeness. You see, dear God, we've got such a twisted mindset about Jesus Christ that he was like this long, blonde-headed man. And he, you know, when he came, he floated two foot above the ground. And he glowed. And he went around going, bless you, (laughs) bless you. What a wonderful day. The Bible says he hung out with people. He went into the pubs and the clubs of the day. He went hold and he got hold of prostitutes and he gave them a value back. He went to the most successful business people of the day, a guy called Zacchaeus, who was so screwed up on the inside. He had everything, but he had nothing. And he went round his house. Everybody else wanted to criticize him and swear at him and, and hate him because he was, he was destroying other people's lives just to get rich. Jesus turned around, saw him, and he knew who he was on the inside. And he said, I'm coming to your house for lunch. No one had ever wanted to go to his house for lunch. He was one of the toe rags of life. You with me? Yeah. See, Jesus was able to relate to everybody. He got the children, and when the disciples said, kids, get away, he said, no, let the children come. The kingdom of God belongs to these kids. What an amazing Jesus we serve. And everybody he encountered, he gave peace to. And when he sent out his disciples, said, go out and tell everybody about the kingdom. You know what he said? Every household you go into, leave shalom in the house. Heal everybody there, provide for their needs, whether you're praying for them or give them something, however you do it, let the shalom of God flood every person that you meet. It says this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We normally only read this at Christmas. For unto us a child is born. Prophetic word about Jesus coming. Unto us a son is given. And the authority is going to be upon his shoulders. He didn't walk around life with no authority. He said, devil, come out, and someone was delivered. He said, 
open your blind eyes and somebody who was blind was healed. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And a dead man who'd been dead for four days came out of a grave. He said, who's condemning you? As the prostitute was about to be stoned and everybody was there. The men were about to stone this woman. She was lying on the ground. And he said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And he was able to stop a mob from stoning a woman by one word of authority. What an amazing, amazing... Who, how do you see Jesus? He's a man of peace and wholeness. Oh, Pastor Jay, I'm not religious. Good, neither am I. It's not about being religious. It's not about a church with stained glass windows or not, or lights or not. It's not about coming to a building and singing a song. It's about knowing Jesus. Having him alive on your inside. October the 8th, 1984. I was hallucinating on mushrooms. <laughs> they were bad that day, but anyway, I won't go there. And I ended up in a, an auditorium a bit like this. And when I came through the door, when stuff was going on, dear God, something hit me like a ton of bricks. I sobered up. I sat there for a couple of hours. Didn't have a clue what they were talking about. Church, what's that all about? At the end of it, do you want to know that Jesus Christ is real? And it's as if there was this real challenge on the inside of me. And I can remember I prayed a prayer. I didn't know who I was talking to. <laughs> I said, if you're real, you've got to show yourself now. This is the only opportunity I'm ever going to give you with my life. And a load of you have heard this story a thousand times, a hundred times. And I just knew that I knew that Jesus Christ was Lord. He died on a cross for me, that he loves me. And now 35 years later, we're still going all over the world preaching the gospel about the goodness and the greatness of Jesus Christ. Seeing young people set free, seeing old people find a reason for living in their last few years. Doesn't matter what age you are or what your background is. See, Jesus, it says, unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government, the authority is upon his shoulder, and his name is going to be called religious and boring, irrelevant, out of touch, one of many gods. Is that what his name was? No, his name was this, wonderful. His name was counselor, the one who knows, who's wise. His name is almighty God. His name is the everlasting father of mankind. His name is the prince of peace. And of the increase of his authority, and his peace, his wholeness, what he can bring into your life, there will be no end. There will be no end. You see, either you can walk out of this room today saying, what a lovely service. And we've had a wonderful time. I love praying for babies. It's just awesome. Jay and Jen have been so excited about this for weeks and Sharon and so excited, Mercedes and so excited. And it's a wonderful day. I can remember dedicating our three kids. When we baptised Michael, the middle one, baptised him, he passed out on the platform. He was so excited. Dunk. It was a bit hot up there. Church is supposed to be the best 90 minutes of your week. But I want to ask you this question. If you were to leave here today, would you leave just saying, well, that was interesting, or would you leave knowing you have a relationship with the Prince of Peace. 
Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Oh, well, I'm a Christian. Why is that? Well, I'm in a Christian country. Really? That's like saying, I'm a hamburger. I'm sitting in McDonald's. Your environment does nothing for who you are. It affects you, but it doesn't. Who you are is what you've decided as an act of your will. Is Jesus your boss? If you can't say Jesus is my Lord, he's my Savior, then he's not. It's quite simple. Sharon is my wife of 30 years. We went away this week for our 30th anniversary that we had last October. (laughs) Just so you know. That was the gift the church bought us. We used it this week, so thank you. But Sharon is my wife. I can't say that of, I'm trying to look at people I don't want to upset. (laughs) Samantha is not my wife. Thank God for that. She's Arnie's wife. We call him Kevin Hart. Just saying. See, I know who I'm married to. I don't wake up in the morning and go, now who is it? I've hung about a bit with all these other people. Who am I married to? Is that what? No, I'm married to this beautiful woman over here. And I know they don't. Is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? If I am married to Sharon, I live like it. We're in the same house, in the same bed. We eat together. We talk together. I, there's no one else I do, with, I do with Sharon what I don't do with anybody else. I talk with Sharon like I don't talk to anybody else. Sharon knows me more than anybody else. Amazing, she still loves me. (laughs) Abundance of grace. You see, if Jesus is your Lord, you'll talk to him like you don't talk to anybody else. Prayer isn't an hour in the morning or five minutes on a Sunday. It's a relationship. I've said enough. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Yeah, all right, all right. Thank you, Tom. But if you were to leave... Today, if you were to leave today, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Every week we ask this question, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you don't, why not? He's irrelevant. No, he's not. We could argue that point. He is the most up-to-date He knows this generation. He's boring. No, he's not. He's just a way to God. No, he's not. He said, I'm the only way to the Father. The way, the truth, and the life. You see, Jesus is an option in as much as you have a choice. But he's not an option because he's the only choice. Right now, with every eye closed and every head bowed in this place, please. We do this every Sunday. This is not anything peculiar, but this is, please, every eye closed, every head bowed, out of respect and honor for the people around you. I'm going to ask everybody a question in this place, and that is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? 
Have you ever given him a chance in your life? The Bible says, if you're going to go and spend eternity with God in heaven, which is very, very real, there's only one way to get there. And that is to say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Recreate me. Make me a brand new person. Give me a new start in life. Perhaps you're the most good person who's ever lived. Wonderful. You still need a Savior. Perhaps you've lived the worst life that you think anybody could ever imagine. Fine. You still need a Savior. No one's too good. No one's too bad. No one's too young. No one's too old. Right now, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you are here today and you want to say, Jesus, I want to give you a chance. I may not believe everything. I don't know everything. But Jesus, I want to know if this is real. I want to give you a chance. And if you are here in this place, whether you've been coming to church for years and whether you're saying, you know what, today there's going to be a turnaround or whether this is the first time ever, ever in a church, not just this style, of any style. A style is, you, it doesn't matter whether it's a high Anglican church or a Baptist church or a, a raving contemporary church like this. It makes no difference. It's about Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to do something here today, to do something. Without wanting to embarrass anybody, but this is between you and God, like it was for me on October the 8th, 1984. If you're here in this place and you want to say, God, I want to give you a go. I want Jesus, I want you to prove yourself to me. I want to give you my life. I want to know that you're real. What I'm going to ask you to do right now, very boldly and confidently, is to put your hand up in the air right now. God bless you. God bless you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Is anybody else here today? And you, God bless you. This is wonderful. Once I've seen your hand, that's great. We're not wanting to... God bless you. Awesome. Come on. There are people coming to Christ and saying, God, give me a chance. Wonderful. Wonderful. Is there anybody else here today? It's not about the person on your left or your right. Don't worry about what they're doing. God wants... God bless you at the back. Wonderful. Is there anybody else? God bless you. Wonderful. Is there anybody else here today? Come on. Don't leave this place without knowing that you are saying to Jesus, come on, make my life a new experience. I want to know, God bless you, wonderful in the middle. Is there anybody else here today? Lastly, come on, is there anybody else here today? No one's going to embarrass you in any way. God bless you, sir. If there's anybody else, this is wonderful. Life started for me on October the 8th, 1984. I'd had a great family and lots of great experiences, but life began again. Sharon was seven years old in her bedroom. God bless you. Wonderful. Is there anybody else here today? I don't want to rush this. This is a life-changing moment or the opportunity of a life-changing moment for people. Is there anybody else here today? I'm going to ask us all to stand to our feet right now and we're going to pray a prayer. We prayed earlier in the service. We prayed and I've been praying all the time, but we're all going to say this prayer together. And if you've, if you've responded here today, whether you've prayed this prayer before, whether this is the first time you've ever prayed, apart from help, we're all going to pray out loud and perhaps that's a new experience for you as well. But we're going to pray out loud and we're going to pray a prayer along the lines of what I've just talked about. Let's all say this. Heavenly Father, Thank you that you love me, that you are a God of peace, a God of wholeness, and you have your best for my life. You gave your best to give me life. You gave your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, to pay the price for all the sin and the wrong that is in the world. 
Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord, my Saviour and my friend. And by the help of your grace and your power, I will never be the same again. I receive your peace into my life in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's give a shout in this place, Gary.